Yeah, so I'm going to, everyone turn to Leviticus chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 1 through 20 again. Just kidding. Yeah, it looked a lot smaller when I uh, uh, printed it onto the page there, but I'm I'm glad we read it. Hopefully by the end you'll be glad that uh, we read it too, if you're not already. Uh, So this morning in Mark chapter 1, I want to make sure that we don't lose where we were. Uh, We keep in mind where we're going. Uh, The story today is sort of a bridge between what the the scene where Peter is asking Jesus what he's up to, where did he go, and then at what proceeds after this are these five encounters that Jesus has where he is demonstrating that he's greater than the law. Okay, So Jesus is frustrated a little bit because the crowds are making it very difficult for him to do the thing he wants to do, preaching. That's right, I said frustrated. I'll explain that. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says frustration is a sin. Jesus is frustrated. He wants to preach. But because he keeps doing these miracles, people want him to just keep doing the miracles. Um, and, and now what we're going to do is he, he's already had a conflict with Satan. Now he's having conflicts with Peter. We're going to see another conflict with the believer here. And then he's going to go on and he's going to start having conflicts with the, the keepers of the law, with the, with the Pharisees and the scribes and the spiritual leaders. So that's where we're at here. I'm going to read these verses for us. We're in chapter 1 of Mark, verses 40 through 45. This is what the Lord has for us this morning. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. (laughs) You could also just listen to uh, Legionnaire's radio program during the service. I'm just kidding, that's a joke. Uh, Let's see. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him, sternly charged him. Why is Jesus stern? What is that about? Sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. The 20 verses read for us this morning for a proof to them. And he went out and began to talk freely and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in a desolate place and people were coming to him from every quarter. He says, but the guy can't keep quiet. Well, of course he can't keep quiet, right? He's just been healed. Uh, except Jesus told him to be quiet. We're going to look at this, and we're going to look at what this has to do with you and I. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for healing this leper. We, we thank you for becoming a leper to heal this leper. We thank you that in, in the gospel of Mark, you don't just tell us what the gospel is. You show us so clearly, uh, without a doubt, Lord God, you demonstrate the compassion and the the love that you have for us in our fallen state. We thank you that this morning uh, we have your word in English to to read, to have uh, explained to us. We pray, Lord, that as you open the word that you would, by your spirit, give us understanding, give us insight, give us conviction, and give us comfort. You know exactly where each of us are at. You know exactly what we need. And and we um, implore you this morning, Lord, if you are willing, that you would give it to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in this miracle told by Mark, in his usual terse way, there are only two characters. A social outcast aware of his state, earnestly desiring 
to be cleansed, humble enough to ask for cleansing, believing that Jesus, in fact, has the power to heal him with a touch. The other figure is the compassionate Lord, who does not shrink away from laying his hands on something loathsome, something dead, something gross, something covered in leprosy. Wherever the compassionate Christ and the yearning sinner meet, wherever the compassionate Christ and the yearning sinner meet, there then comes instantaneous and complete healing. Whenever you approach Jesus like this leper approaches Jesus, what happens to you in that state is what happens to this leper, without a doubt. But we see in the story that's not the end of it. It's not as easy as that, right? He doesn't just heal him and then that's the end. He, he also, heal, he, after he heals him, gives him a command. Now that I've done this for you, go forth and do this for me. Right? So the, it's not as simple as just being converted. It's not as simple as that first day when God touched us and when we, when we were converted and we were completely healed. There's more to it than that. In the ancient world, the attitude towards lepers was not unlike the popular attitude suspected uh, sufferers of AIDS and hepatitis are today. I, I, I struggle with this because in the 80s, they taught us very, they were intense in public school about staying away from people who have AIDS and hepatitis because if they look at you funny, you will get it from them. And um, I've worked at a hospital since then, and, and, and even to the point that some doctors and nurses who knew me there thought it was hilarious how, like, I was like, has, has anyone who's ever had AIDS been in this room? <laughs> they're like, yeah, like the, the 15 people who were just in here all had AIDS. Is that, a, is that, oh. So I kind of freak out, right? I imagine this is what people back then thought of lepers. If you get anywhere near a leper, they, they of course, being good Jews, they add to the law all the time. So if you go into a house and you have leprosy, it's like you got to burn the house down now. It's like you can't even clean it. Uh, I kind of feel that way. Like if, uh, like I've, I've literally, I think when I first was buying a car, there was a car I asked, I literally asked if the person who'd had it had had AIDS. <laughs> right? And, 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 and I, this is, I've, I've since grown out of this. I'm still a germaphobe. But I, w- I was told as a child, right, you will get AIDS and you will die. Watch that movie Philadelphia, and that is what's going to happen to you if you're not careful. Uh, somewhere along the, the lines, uh, I think in college, they added hepatitis to it. So, so this is what people are like. The, the, the funny story I'm telling you, this is how people respond to leprosy. Uh, we're going to find out the lengths that the lepers were forced to go in order to never come in contact with a clean person. You, you, are, you are forbidden coming in contact with a clean person. The whole of the gospel in this story is demonstrated to us in a nutshell. Christ redeems us from the curse by becoming a curse for our sake. Galatians 3, 13 through 14. Christ redeem us, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So what we're going to see is, is, is Jesus swaps places with the leper. The leper is out and all by himself in a desolate place, away from everyone. And, in the, and by the end of the story, Jesus is the one who's out in a desolate place all by himself and can't go into a crowded city. To be healed, the leper, or to the healed leper, the most natural thing in the world, the spontaneous expression of gratitude to Jesus would be to go and tell others, right? This is, isn't this like a story about the Great Commission? <laughs> this is what happens. He gets saved and he wants to just immediately go and tell everyone about it. And, and that is not, um, that is a misapplication, okay? 
we, we get, it's apples and oranges. You are to be healed now and to go out and tell everyone. But it's very important that Jesus tells this guy not to tell anyone, and yet he disobeys. Uh, it's funny because here he can't get this guy to shut up, and most modern Christians, he can't get them to say anything. It's funny how he's told to be quiet and he's loud. We're told to be loud and we're often very quiet. I, I found that moderately entertaining. So last week we saw that Jesus is avoiding crowds. He just wants to preach. Healing validates his authority, but many, uh, many people are concerned more with the healing than with the teaching. It's interesting at this point that after he goes into Capernaum and preaches at the first synagogue, and everyone's astounded by his teaching, and everyone says, look at this guy, it's amazing, it's better than the scribes. Nobody is going around telling anyone, hey, come and listen to this guy who has more authority than the scribes. Right? Jesus has made it very clear that's what he wants to do, is to tell everyone. Nobody is running around and saying, hey, come and hear this guy. Everyone is going around saying, hey, come and be healed by this guy. The message he has is not important to people. Even, even Peter. Peter want, isn't saying, hey, let's go do some more preaching, right? Peter's trying to ride that fame wave all the way to the top. Say, so, let's get, let's go all the way to the throne. Nobody is going around saying, come and listen to this man. And it's overwhelming Jesus. He is conflicted internally. It, it's not an until Gethsemane that he starts to have this internal conflict because he, he loves to heal people. He wants to heal people. But that's not why he's come. He does those things because he can. And, he, and when he does them, he demonstrates who he really is. He says, I am the king. The kingdom has come. Right? I and the father are one. He says all these things. And to prove it, he heals people. And, and then what, what easily happens is everybody gets fixated on the healing part. Not the message. Not what he tells them to go do because he's healed Right? He's given this guy a mission, and the guy fails in the mission utterly. And this is what we all do. God comes into our lives, he heals us, he, he creates this relationship, and then he tells us to go do something, and we fail to go and do it. I just gave away the end. I guess we're done. No. <clears throat> there is a very serious paradox in the, in the center of Jesus' ministry. He sees the hungry crowd. Right? He says, look at all these hungry people. And his disciples are like, what are we going to do? All these hungry people. And Jesus said, well, I'll feed them. But then a crowd comes to him because they're hungry and they want food from him, and he rebukes them in John 6.26. So the crowd who comes and wants him to give them food, he rebukes. The crowd that's just standing around that is hungry, he feeds. So you can see there's some tension here when this guy is coming to be healed from the leprosy. The guy doesn't really care much what Jesus has to say, clearly, because he does the opposite of what Jesus says. He just wants to be healed. And there's frustration there. Obviously. How could, how could Jesus not be frustrated? Right? Of course I'm going to heal you. But, but there's this tension. It's not, it's not really what you need. What you need is to obey me. What you need is to have a relationship with me. What you need to understand is that the kingdom has come. That's more important than your leprosy. And what we're going to see is that is now echoed for like the next chapter and a half of the stories we're going to tell. There is something worse than this guy's leprosy. And I'm going to go on to describe leprosy. It's going to be hard to believe that this guy has a bigger problem than leprosy, but he really does. Now, in, in the story itself, there is a bunch of stuff that Mark doesn't say. How long after, um, right, just before this, it says he goes around preaching in synagogues and casting out demons, and then immediately this leper comes. Well, how long? Mark doesn't say. Where are they? 
Mark doesn't say. On the inside or the outside? Did this guy who is not allowed to go near clean people come running into the We don't know. There's all kinds of stuff we don't know because it doesn't matter to Mark. What matters is the, is the interaction between the two characters. Now, I'm going to assume there's a crowd because what's very clear is here, everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd. So there's a crowd of people around Jesus and this guy comes storming in and you don't hear the crowd's reaction. That's coming later. What's important right now for, that Mark is trying to get across to believers about the gospel is this interaction between the leper and Jesus. We're going to find out why those are the only two that matter in this particular story, but that's, that's all there is. There's no other information. Okay, leprosy. Leprosy is really gross. I'm just going to say that. I don't know if you guys know that, but leprosy is gross. I know exactly people react the way that they react, and I, given the AIDS background, I understand completely why. Leprosy is a collective noun designating a wide variety of chronic skin diseases. In our day, leprosy means one thing. There's not a huge variety of leprosies. There's just one. But in, in their day, it, there was like, I think, 70 different skin diseases that you could have. The worst one is what we commonly call leprosy now. But it, it, leprosy in the Bible covers all kinds of different skin ailments. If you read Leviticus 13 and 14, it's like a dermatology like handbook. It's like, what do, you, what do you do when you have dry skin? What do you do if you have a rash? What do you do if you have this, that? All kinds of different things. Ringworm, scalp conditions, boils, burns, right? That's a lot of different skin diseases. And they called all of them leprosy. They don't say what kind of leprosy this gentleman has. But my guess is, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Given his, the, the vehemence with which he approaches Jesus, I don't think he just has dry scalp. Okay? I don't think head and shoulders is the problem. <laughs> right? Jesus just gets hands on the bottle and says, uh, wash, rinse, repeat. It's not, no. Some, the guy has the bad kind of leprosy, the really bad kind. Any man who was identified as a leper was reduced to the most pitiful state of existence. Generally, where they lived was a garbage heap outside of town because they're already unclean, so people throw away a lot of good stuff, and, and that is where they lived, and they wore bells. They wore bells on them so that when they were coming nearby, you would know. If you heard a bell, you would know something gross is coming. Get out of the way. Leprosy was a widespread disease in Palestine. This is apparent not only from the, how many lepers come to Jesus throughout his ministry, but the plethora of instructions about the, the diseases in the Mishnah. The Mishnah is a, is a written collection of Jewish oral teaching. In Jesus' day, it was not written down. It was just what everyone handed down from generation to generation. You had scribes because this generation of scribes would tell this generation of scribes. And it's a shocking how much the Mishnah covers leprosy. It, I mean, like, when we were reading the law today, Leviticus isn't that long of a book, and it's 20 verses just covering what to do with somebody who is, who's being healed of leprosy. The, leprosy was a big deal back then. I don't think we have the problem now because of general cleanliness. But in the Old Testament, it was a very, very serious problem. We uh, read about uh, one famous leper in Numbers, chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. Uh, Miriam, who is um, Moses' sister, uh, is, is talking smack about Moses. And so God comes down from his mountain and pays a visit to Miriam. Let's read about that. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O oh, my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned by talking smack against you. 
<laughs> so Miriam becomes a leper because God makes her a leper. Uh, this is why when Moses puts his hand in his shirt, when he's, God is proving who he is, he pu- Moses pulls out, there's leprosy on it, and he freaks out. And then he puts his hand away and comes back, it's clean. Only God can do that. No one could heal leprosy. It's, it's fascinating that they have this whole system to do what to do for somebody who's been cured of leprosy because it, was all, it almost never happened. Well, there's only two cases in the Old Testament where someone's healed from leprosy. I think there might be more people raised from the dead than are healed from leprosy. <laughs> it, it is not good. Uh, here, here is what people think. Uh, here is what they thought in the Old Testament about he- healing leprosy. This comes from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 6 through 7. Okay, so a foreign leader sends a letter and a leper to the king of Israel because he wants the king of Israel to heal this leper because he heard about these people called prophets. He's like, oh, these prophets sound pretty amazing. I'm going to send them my leper and see what, see what they, they can do me a favor right here. <laughs> this is a little international policy. I don't think Trump gets a lot of lepers from China these days, but this is, this is the reaction of the king. And they brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches, you know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. <laughs> right? We're not disputing borders here. We're just, you're doing me a little favor. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. He thinks it's a trap. Uh, now, there, there's, that story goes on. It's very fascinating. It's 2 Kings chapter 13, because the leper, that's one of the cases where the leper is healed. But the king thinks it's a trap, because nobody heals leprosy. God alone does it. This is not simply the... Oh, and then in Leviticus 13, 45 through 46, this is the last verse I'm going to read about leprosy. This one I like a lot. This is good. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. That sounds horrible. You've got to walk around and literally scream out, unclean, unclean, with your little bells ringing, covering your upper lip, which is, I don't, I don't know what that's about. Josephus, the famous Jewish historian, summarized by saying that lepers were treated as if they were, in effect, dead men. A lot of forms of the really bad kind of leprosy, actually, your body begins to rot, as, and it smells bad and looks bad as if you're dying. I know in the late Middle Ages, going into the modern period, one of the, when they would treat a leper, one of the things they would give them is a cat. Because when lepers would sleep, rats would eat their dying bodies. And so they would give them a cat to eat the, the, the rats that, so that the rats didn't eat the leper. Right? Do, do, are, do we get a picture now of leprosy? <laughs> this is gross. This is gross. Now, given that, okay, the, the diagnosis of leprosy was en- encompassed both medical and social dimensions. It was never merely about skin disease. There was always, 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 always a spiritual element to it. You, you see a leper and you're like, I don't know what that guy's dad did or what he did or his grandparents did, but God hates that guy. God hates it. He's a, and the rabbis call them the walking dead. Isn't there a show called? No. Other illnesses had to be healed. Leprosy is the only one that has to be cleansed. 
You don't heal somebody from it. You cleanse them from it. Because it, there is just this deep death involved that, that is not skin deep. They can tell that, that there is a death here. Spiritual death, relational death. This person is, is, there's nothing you can do to bring them inside the camp. That's the context. And now here's Jesus standing there, perfectly clean. He's a rabbi. And up walks a leper. The leper doesn't say, unclean, unclean. There's no tinkling of bells. The leper just walks right up to Jesus and gets on his knees. Could you imagine if there is the, the crowd that's there, what they might have been thinking? I, I'm guessing Mark doesn't report what they said because you can't print it. Because this, this leper comes in, and it's a death sentence for everyone. Everyone who gets near it, it's a death sentence. It's the worst possible thing for a Jew. They would rather die. They would rather die. Lepers had to stand 50, at least 50 feet away from any clean person. No obstacle, though. No obstacle, including the Torah itself, prevents this guy from coming to Jesus with deferential approach and posture. On his knees. He's willing to disobey even the law of God. He's willing to make anyone else unclean just because he, he wants so badly. He's heard about this guy. He wants so badly to be healed. And I don't think he would have done all of this and put everybody at risk unless he really believed that Jesus could heal him. At this point, word is spread. What Jesus is capable of has, has been manifested, and this leper knows that this is finally his opportunity. And yet, on his knees, he says this, if you are willing. If you are willing. Can you imagine how badly this guy wants to be healed? Now, and, and, and Steve covered it this morning. Brilliant call. But this is not a case where the guy doesn't believe he can do it. He wants to know if he's willing to do it. The humility here, right? He, he has an agenda. <laughs> I don't want to live in a garbage heap anymore. I don't want any more pet cats. I want to be healed, and I want to go to the synagogue. I want to go back amongst my family, amongst the people of God. If you are willing, would you grant that? Now, that is not how we pray. That is not how we pray. Are you willing? That is not what we say. That is even what Jesus said. Jesus said, take this cup from me, but thy will be done, not mine. This leper who just, I, we can't even imagine how badly he wants to be healed. And he's not telling Jesus to do anything. He's asking. He's asking. So what does Jesus do? He does the only reasonable thing the Son of God would do. The response of Jesus is not less scandalous than the leper's audacity. In the face of such an intrusion, at so much at risk for so many people, one would expect an observant Jew to recoil in horror and protect himself and those around him, but Jesus' compassion replaces contempt. Rather than turning from the leper, Jesus turns toward the leper. He touches the leper bringing himself into full contact with physical and ritual untouchability. He puts himself outside of the temple. The outstretched arm of Jesus is a long reach for his day. It's a long reach for any day. It removes the social, the physical, the spiritual separations prescribed by the Torah and custom alike. Something greater than Torah is here. 
Something greater than Moses is here. When has, right, the whole concept, based, this whole thing is based on when something unclean touches something clean, the unclean wins. Never in the history of humankind has the clean won. Never has someone been so clean that they're un, uncleanable. <sighs> Sorry, that's not a word. Think about this. Even with their reason, they have never heard of this kind of thing before. Someone who is, is like Teflon. Your skin disease, your, the death that is all covering you, I can absorb it. I reverse it. I trump whatever nasty, disgusting, filthy result of sin. I, I've got the, the trump card every time. The touch of Jesus speaks more loudly than his words, and the words of Jesus touch the leper more deeply than any human love. Jesus is not only able, but desirous. I am willing, he says. I am willing. Be clean. This is not like any other rabbi. This is not like any other clean person. No clean person goes towards the uncleanness. The leper was unclean. He made everything he touched unclean. Leprosy was considered to be contagious. There is no tinkling of bells in this story, no cries of unclean, no furtive stepping away. Under the law of Moses, Jesus might very well have rebuked him and walked away. Any other rabbi would have. What is going on in this story? What is going on? This is the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. There is so much life in Jesus, he swallows death. He can absorb every death of every human being, and there's still more life. He can touch every unclean person that has ever lived, will ever live, and he will still remain clean. Something greater than Moses is here. Something greater than the law is here. Hooray, the law is dead, except, except Jesus says, Go now to a priest and fulfill the law. Well, you know, I don't know, man. You seem bigger than the law, and I, I don't really have enough money to buy two doves, three sheep, wait eight days, cut my hair, all that stuff. That stuff's dead. I like this new kingdom. This new kingdom has no law. What? No wonder Jesus is, is rebuking him before the guy even leaves, because Jesus had already understood what was going on. And yet, that didn't prevent him from touching the leper. He knew exactly where the guy was going to go. He knew exactly what the guy was going to say. Think about it. Why is Jesus outside the city? It's impossible to touch a leper and not be a leper yourself. Well, can we get some testimony here? Did anyone see? Did, did he not get leper? No, th there's no question. Put the guy outside of the city. Don't bring him near clean people. We'll wait eight days like the law says, and if no leprosy appears, maybe we'll let him back in. But Jesus has essentially put himself out. When all he wants is to preach the gospel to as many people as will listen, this guy comes close, and he knows what's gonna, it's going to cost him, and he does it anyway. He heals him anyway. He knows that the guy is not going to obey him. For those of us, I mean, we, we, we heard the law this morning. It's very hard for us to understand what that's all about, right? Why do you take a live bird and dip it in the blood of the dead bird and then let the live bird go? I have no idea. I have no idea. 
I, I frankly, I, it would have taken me more time to understand those 20 verses than, than to definitely prepare for this. I mean, I think some of the questions when you get ordained are difficult. But it's like, you know, if the guy would have gone to the priest, the priest literally would have been like, oh, that, that process, oh, man. Well, I think my granddad had a case like that. Let me get the book of Leviticus out. And he's like opening it up, and he's like, okay, now do I cut his hair? Or now do I? But, but look at all the money that's spent. Look at the, the difficult process. The law can't make you clean. It tells you what to do when you are made clean. Because these are the things that, that the Lord rejoices in. The, the law was given by the Lord our God. And, and, and when you, in the rarest of rare occasions, are healed from leprosy, this is what I want you to do. And the leper's like, you know, I don't know if his reasoning is, that sounds too difficult. I don't know if his reasoning is, I don't need that anymore because this guy just touched me. It's fine. That stuff is dead. This is a dead letter. But Jesus makes a point and says, now that I have healed you, go and fulfill the law. He's the only one that's lost anything here. He wants to take on the priests. He wants to take on the scribes. He's ready for that. Later on, we see him asking questions. He says to them, he says, who was the baptism of John from? God? Was it from above or from the earth? And the scribes get together, right? He's looking to out them as fools. So why doesn't he then send this guy? Well, because he's not ready yet. He, he, wants, to, he wants to preach. He has his own plans. But what did the Lord God, his father, send him into the world to do? He couldn't have turned this guy away. Laying his life down, becoming a leper so that the leper could go back into the people of God, even though he wasn't going to be perfect. That was what Jesus came into the world to do. You are all lepers. You are all lepers. Now, let's think about this for a moment. You think you were a leper, but you're not a leper. You think you were a leper, but you are still a leper. And this is what I mean by that. Because you, you all came up clean out of the water, or it was poured over your head and it washed you. And then God says, go and fulfill the law. And, and we're still running around. This guy, you, you, can, you can heal his skin disease all day long. There's another problem, and that is obeying the Lord is God. Obeying the word of God. Obeying the commands of God. There is, another, there is a deeper problem here, and that's what all of the stories preceding this is going to show us, that not only is Jesus greater than the law, but that he still respects the law because the law is love. As soon as he comes on the scene, we just want to get rid of all of that other confusing stuff, all of that complicated stuff, because it's simple now. It's love. This leper doesn't understand love. He's received the love of Jesus Christ, but he doesn't understand it. Because if he understood it, he would have been like, yes, I'm going to obey you because look what you just did for me. The law of the Lord is wonderful. It it is a pronouncement of love. And I'll buy as many birds and as many lambs and chop them up and dip them in whatever and let them go wherever as as long as I get to rejoice in the Lord our God. You see, all he wanted in the end was what? Did he want to follow Jesus no matter where Jesus went, no matter what Jesus said? no matter what it cost him. Now, I found this problem going all the way back to like my first week of faith. We read stories like this. 
We read stories where Jesus is eating with sinners and he's eating with publicans. And we're like, okay, you know, if we're going to be outreach and stuff, we got to go find us some sinners and some publicans. We got to find us some lepers to heal. We think in the story we're Jesus. We're like him surrounded by all these quirky disciples who don't really understand us, who we're always trying to set straight, and it's all this kind of angsty fun. But you're the disciples. You're the lepers. You're the publicans. You're the sinners. And, and you're just like this leper. You know exactly the power of, of the word and the touch of Jesus Christ. Are you obeying his law? Uh, do, you mean, do you mean I have to go back and sacrifice because I'm a leper? I have to do the bird thing? <laughs> no, no. The law right, entailed a great deal more, a great deal more than simply the sacrificial system. Let's look at two cases. John chapter 15, verses, verse 12. I'm just going to read it to you. Don't, don't take the time to turn there. This is my commandment, says Jesus. This is my commandment. I've touched you. I have spoken a word over you. You are healed. You are no longer a leopard. This is what I want you to do. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Peter doesn't know what his master is doing. The leper doesn't understand what his master is doing. Are they truly at this point in the story friends of the Lord God? Just being here in the church, sitting where you're sitting, does not necessarily mean you've got a great friendship with Jesus. It means you can have a great friendship with Jesus. He's taking care of everything that keeps you outside the camp. You were lepers. He's now brought you in. The point of the story in which you are living is where you have to obey what he says. Are you obeying what he says? We move on and we're, we want to just go and we want to proclaim. We want to be like the leper. We want to go out and we want to, we want to get on mission. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. But it's... But, there's a word from the Lord that tells you exactly what mission you're supposed to be on. This guy says, if you're willing, heal me. He gets healed, and then he goes about doing whatever. He, he's, no, he's no longer concerned with the Lord's will. And for many Christians, this is what happens. We're cured from our leprosy, and then we go running out and doing whatever it is that we want to do. We've been healed. We've been healed. We can go to synagogue whenever we want. We can read the Torah whenever we want. We're perfectly clean now. But there is a deeper leprosy, a darker leprosy. Obeying the word of God, which is loving people. Loving your spouse, loving your children, loving your neighbor, loving your coworker, loving people. Don't turn there, but this is Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal. Paul is simplifying the law now. He's not talking about dipping one live bird in a dead bird and letting it go. He's keeping it super simple. This is the law. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. He doesn't even take the time to explain the other ones. He's going to sum them up for you. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. 
Now, we're going to go out from here like we do every week, and we're going to think everything is just fine. We're going to think we're on the right program. We're going to think we're going in the right direction because we were a leper, and we cried out to God, and he touched us, and he spoke a word over us, and now we're healed. But there's that tricky part afterwards. He says to Peter, follow me. But Peter isn't all about his plan. Peter's about his own plan. He saves this leper. The leper's not about Jesus' plan. The leper's about his own plan. Now, do you see a pattern? Do you see yourself? Every morning when you get up, you get down on your knees and you say, if you are willing today, heal me from this leprosy. Heal me from this leprosy. And what is that leprosy? It's, it, it's more than just that conversion. There's a further up, further in. There's more of your life that you have not brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ. There are, you are going about your life under your own wind, doing your own thing. What is the law that he is calling you to fulfill today? Who is it that you need to love? It's not a set, the, 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 that annoying person at work has everything to do with the fact that you're a leper. Because you know exactly what that person needs. We forget that we were lepers, and we've come now, and we're in this state of cleanliness, and we think we've got it all figured out. And we think, well, you know, I'm like Jesus, surrounded by a bunch of idiot lepers. I don't know how many times I thought in my own life, you know, if, if I just spent more time with the people, if I got around them like Jesus, I would just have this voodoo magic on them, and somehow they'd be more righteous and good. As if, like, I have the Spirit indwelling me. As if I have something to offer people. I have nothing to offer people except the one who touches and heals people from leprosy. I, right? This is the wilderness that he's calling us to live in again. Right? There, there was a leprosy from which he healed me, and, but there is a deeper leprosy where I want to do my own thing, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, where I want to do it, and forget him. But following him is about more than going from unclean to clean that first time, that first day that you believed. It's an ongoing, lifelong process by which you are healed deeper and deeper and deeper. The story of Eustace, the story of Eustace. C.S. Lewis wrote a book, uh, Dawn Treader, right? The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And there's this little boy who becomes a dragon. And so Aslan comes up and he digs his nail into him and cuts him deep. And he feels it and it's painful. And he tears the flesh and he rips the dragon skin off him. And you know what's underneath? Another dragon. And he's got to do it seven times. And the seventh time he feels the nail of Aslan pierce into his heart. Now C.S. Lewis understands exactly how sanctification works, which is really what this sermon is all about. Right? You have been delivered. You are on the path. What he began, he will finish. You are on the path by which you've got to, though, continue to allow him to do that painful thing of pulling the dragon skin off. And when you get up in the morning, you're like, man, there is another one. There is a deeper leprosy. It's not just a surface one. It goes deep, and I need to be healed again. And then, because you've already experienced it, where do you go? Who's the only one that can heal you from leprosy? The Lord Jesus Christ.
And he's calling you to come back again and to go into the wilderness again, to look to him again, to cry out, are you willing? If you are willing, do it to me again. Save me again. Do you need that? Do you need him? He's already delivered you. He's given you a law. What is the law that you need to obey? You know. You know. And if you don't know, ask him. He'll tell you. That's part of ripping this, the dragon's skin off. And amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for healing us, Lord God, and bringing us into the family of God, for taking us from outside the camp and to bring us inside the camp. We know, Lord, that you have a will that is perfect and true and good, and we do not understand it, and it often always conflicts with our own. I pray for all of us this morning, Lord God, that we would not simply rest in our conversion, but that we would seek to follow you every day, that we would seek you every day, that we would know you are the food, you are the drink, you are the life. We go out and we get unclean very quickly. But you are always ready with a touch. There is no end to how clean you are, how much life you have, how much goodness you have, how much compassion you have. And I pray for all of us that we would never weary of turning to you, that we would always know that we need you. It is a long way between here and heaven. And we pray, Lord God, that along the way that we would be guided, comforted, and led by your Son. Amen.